0: Thank you, Emily. As the last speaker of this Congress, I realize that I'm the one who stands between you and the Ohio State game. (laughs) So I assure you, I will get you out of here in time. But yes, thank you for the opportunity to join this Congress dedicated to the Sacred Heart. When Emily invited me to speak, she mentioned a theme, which was to rebuild, renew, and restore the domestic church through the heart of Jesus. I was intrigued, to say the least, because that's a pretty lofty theme, but it's also a very worthy one because the domestic church goes to the core of that communio, that communion, that is the church and is what the church seeks to facilitate in this world. And the way that we share in that communio is precisely through the interconnection of hearts, ours with God and ours with one another, a connection that begins and is learned in the parent-child relationship that forms a family. Now that vision of a world of interconnected hearts is actually the worldview espoused by Saint Francis de Sales and the tradition of Salesian spirituality that derives from him. I mention that not just because he's the patron of my religious order, but because he's the founder together with St. Jane de Chantal, of the religious order of the Visitation of Holy Mary. And that's the religious order to which belong St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, the mystic to whom we owe our contemporary devotion to the Sacred Heart. It's that Salesian connection, and in particular, that Salesian vision that is the focus of my talk today. In fact, I'd like to explore with you some imagery specific to the Sacred Heart. That's the uh, little handout that has been mentioned a couple times, because I propose that that imagery still holds the power to impact the domestic church today. There's another reason I give you that handout There are numbers on it, so you can follow along and know when I'm getting near the end. (laughs) For those of you who are with us online, I'll do my best to try to describe these images. And actually, if you want, go ahead and and Google images of the Sacred Heart. Just just beware, there are at least eight million of them. I know, I tested that. All right, so here we go. At the basis of our devotion to the sacred heart are images found in the Gospels, images in story form that invite us to reflect upon the heart of Jesus as it is manifest during his earthly ministry. In those sacred stories, we can see... If we look with the eyes of our mind, we can see the pulsing heart of a child in the womb as recognized joyfully by John the Baptist during the visitation of Mary to Elizabeth. We see the beloved heart of God's own son as announced at his baptism. We see a heart at once compassionate in the feeding of the crowds and encouraging in the calming of the seas. It's a heart that will also be broken and troubled, as we see in Jesus's journey to Jerusalem. But he promises that this heart, which lives eternally through the resurrection, will abide in those who keep his commandment to love. There are references to the heart of Jesus all through the gospel stories. But of course, the clearest narrative image is the heart of Jesus revealed to us on a hill in Jerusalem at Golgotha. There on the cross, as we see in the first image there, the evangelist John tells us one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And at once, there came out blood and water. That's why we call that Friday, Good. For there and then, and in that manner, the passionate love of God pours itself forth from the heart of God's Son upon the world. But even before that dramatic outpouring of the sacred heart, Jesus revealed its essential character to his disciples in the familiar gospel passage that, if you were here for mass, we heard today. It is, and here's your free trivia for the day, the only autobiographical reference in the gospels. The only time Jesus says something about who he is. When St. Matthew quotes him as saying, and this is the second image, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. Now, in the tradition of Salesian spirituality, this image of the humble, gentle heart of Jesus dominates the thought of St. Francis de Sales, and it gives rise to his particular understanding of what it means to be devout or holy. Humility and gentleness, or meekness, infuse all the mysteries of Jesus's life and reflect the manner by which he redeemed the world. And so they represent, says Francis de Sales, the virtues by which we are to make Jesus known in the world. Wendy Wright, who's a great scholar of Salesian spirituality, says that for Francis de Sales, this was a radically countercultural idea to be humble and gentle. Because most hearts in this world are not gentle and humble, but proud, grasping. Envious, and I would add today, violent. I come from Philadelphia. It's on the news every night, and not only in our city. For Francis de Sales, this truth of the humble, gentle heart of Jesus also has an eschatological significance, a meaning for the whole of time. Because Jesus the Christ came to overturn the standards of the world and in flesh a new standard of reality. Gentleness, humility, these are the signs of the presence of the kingdom of God. Now, this self-description of Jesus as gentle and humble of heart, coupled with the ultimate manifestation of those virtues on the cross at Calvary, shaped the gospel's narrative image of the sacred heart. Inspired by those sacred stories, we as believers have also come to benefit from creative works that represent the heart of Jesus in a whole variety of ways, at least 8 million. So let us turn now to a consideration of artists and their imagery of the heart. In our Christian tradition, images of the faith abound, appearing in paintings, sculptures, Icons, stained glass windows, not to mention architecture and literature and music and all of today's media. But the inspirational power of that religious imagery goes far beyond the material quality of the construct as it it encompasses, expresses, and engages a truly spiritual dimension at work in us when we see the images for what they really are. In other words, images of the Sacred Heart of Jesus exhibit a spiritual power. In fact, the widespread practice of devotion to the Sacred Heart owes a great deal to the imagery associated with it. And thanks to artists, we have a whole treasure of iconography that has the power to engender ideas, express meanings, excite the passions, and spawn never-ending reflection. That's why in a beautiful church like this, there are so many images. Take a look at them. But recently, the imagery of the Sacred Heart has been called into question. A very popular author claims, the Sacred Heart is one of the few devotions that have probably suffered from its artistic representations. He describes the images that we older Catholics are familiar with as, quote, both kitschy and off-putting. Think of those magnets in your car or calendars in your kitchen or that third image on your outline. This author reviles both the yuck factor and the disbelief factor, and concludes, as he says, to tragedy that art has distanced many Catholics from a powerful way of looking at Jesus. Well, let's just say that I disagree wholeheartedly. Get it? Whole, never mind. Told to the contrary, that the very popularity of that art, not to mention its abundant variety, suggests that looking at Jesus remains a popular draw for believers, no matter how kitschy some of the images may appear. Devotion to the sacred heart doesn't suffer from the art. It's driven by it because it taps into the unique human ability to imagine. Whatever the medium in which the sacred heart or the sacred image is depicted, it draws the viewer into the mystery of God's sacrificial love for human beings. Gazing upon the sacred heart in prayer transports us into the vital center of Jesus himself. That's the purpose of devotion to the sacred heart, to lead us toward union with the love of God in Jesus. What makes this happen And what I think distinguishes this devotion from every other devotion is what one scholar named David Morgan calls the visualist paradigm, which is a fancy way of saying that by focusing on the image that points to a reality, the reality of the crucified Christ, we are drawn into an experience that links the biblical event and gospel memory, human feeling and emotion, and the church's entire history and liturgy. This experiential quality gives to images of the Sacred Heart a unique power to touch people in a way that goes beyond just making sense. And a prime example of this power of the Sacred Imagery is the case of St. Margaret Mary. Morgan points to the visual vitality of her whole spiritual life, and he says that for her, pictures became the means of imagination. You look at pictures, movies, that's how they work, and they spark something in us. Well, for St. Margaret Mary, Those pictures served as the medium for her visionary experience. And conversely, her visionary experience of Jesus (laughs) issued in the endorsement of additional imagery that produced piety and devotion. The image leads her to Jesus, whom she sees which then leads her to more imagery by which we continue to see. It's in this mutual interaction between pictures and picturing, between art and the power of the imagination, that we come to the realization that a sacred image is not something just to look at. It's meant to be seen. There's a difference. And that difference calls forth our unique human ability that we call perception. When we truly see a sacred image, we don't just look at it. We are acted upon by it. In a certain sense, the image looks back at us. It does something to us. It challenges us to be something more. Really seeing an image invites us to become what we perceive, to participate in what is depicted there, even to emulate what the image represents. Religious images like that of the Sacred Heart possess a twofold reciprocal power. On the one hand, they aid our understanding by helping us to see life differently. Sacred images enable us to imagine a new world, not in a sense of fiction or fantasy, but as a matter of possibility. In In this case, reflecting the new way of life inaugurated in the saving words and deeds of Jesus. On the other hand, sacred images inspire us to be what we see, to become what we imagine, by living the truth that the image represents. And so by exciting our emotions, informing our intellects, and enlivening our desires, sacred images engage the whole person and shape us, to dwell in that new world that God has put forth for us and to live a new life there. Okay, that's all the art theory you're gonna get. As for practice, the power of artistic images to structure our view of the world and to form how we live in it explains, I think, the long-standing appeal of the Sacred Heart and the fervent devotion to it. From visions to sketches, paintings to pictures, small emblems to grand statues, the evolution of the imagery associated with the Sacred Heart of Jesus shows its power to connect with viewers intimately and powerfully, so much so that the image and the devotion remain intertwined. So let's take a quick tour through the evolution of those images, starting with number four. As I mentioned at the outset, The Sacred Heart of Jesus clearly animated the vision of St. Francis de Sales and St. Jane de Chantal. According to Wendy Wright, again, the saint's worldview of interconnected hearts. That's that fourth image there. A heart that receives from heavens, right, the arrows coming down, and then is connected to hearts around it. That worldview reflects the saint's belief that all of our human hearts were created to beat in rhythm with the creator's dynamic, creative, generative heart. Because human hearts are created by God, who is goodness and love, they too are essentially good and always retain their original orientation, to love. But they are wounded by sin. And so our human hearts are, we could say, arrhythmic and must be restored to their intended pulse by living Jesus. The sort of catchphrase of St. Francis de Sales. They do this through the mediation of the one heart that is both fully human and fully divine. And so the spirituality of St. Francis de Sales is that the heart of Jesus must be exchanged for human hearts. That foundational and directive worldview of interconnected hearts also informs the saints' conception of their new religious order the visitation of Holy Mary, whose spirituality was to be a spirituality of the heart. Francis de Sales had the sisters focus on an inward transformation so that Jesus could live in their hearts through the acquisition of the virtues of the one who was gentle and humble of heart. Margaret Mary Alacoque joined the Visitation Order in 1671. Just two years later, she would experience the first of three great apparitions of Jesus, from which she would advance the iconography of the Sacred Heart, based on her memory of those mystical encounters. From her own, for her her own veneration, she sketched an image that at its core included the wounded heart, the Holy Cross, and the crown of thorns. It's image number five. As she explained, and these are her words, I saw this divine heart as on a throne of flames, more brilliant than the sun and transparent as crystal. It had its adorable wound and was encircled with a crown of thorns, which signified the pricks our sins caused him. It was surmounted by a cross, which signified that from the first moment of his incarnation, that is, from the time this sacred heart was formed, the cross was planted in it, that it was filled from the very first moment with all the bitterness, humiliations, poverty, sorrow, and contempt, his humanity would have to suffer during the course of his life and during his holy passion. Now, that sketch, St. Margaret Mary sent to all the other monasteries of the visitation order in France to enhance the personal piety of the sisters, as the original had done for her. When they placed it upon altars, near crucifixes, or in dedicated chapels, the emblematic image inspired their contemplative gazing upon the sacred heart. That would become the hallmark of the devotion. As St. Margaret Mary writes again, the heart of God must be honored under the symbol of this heart of flesh, whose image he wished to be publicly exposed. Wherever this sacred image would be exposed for veneration, he would pour forth his graces and blessings. So that's where it began. But a new moment in the picturing of the Sacred Heart came with a shift from sketches to anatomical images, like number six. The more visceral image of the, sac- of the Heart of Flesh, gave emphasis to the notion of reparation, prominent in the saints' mystical apparitions. As David Morgan explains, human sufferings embodied nature, like that actual heart with the chains around it. Human sufferings embodied nature was met and affirmed in this dissected image of Jesus. Reparations were powerfully repaid through devotion to the the heart, and the issuing of indulgences by bishops and popes assured the currency of the devotion in the spiritual economy of compensating God for the debt of sin. That's the imagery. But then, as worship of the Sacred Heart developed following the Pope's recognition of the universal feast of the Sacred Heart, new imagery emphasized the heart in close relation to the person of Jesus. And so in what may be the most prominent of all the paintings of the Sacred Heart, image number seven from the artist Pompeo Batoni, The original of which can be found in the Church of the Jesu, the Jesuit Church in Rome. In his image, Jesus is presenting as presented as holding his own heart. What's new here in this rendering of the Savior is the penetrating gaze of the figure, the person. Now understood as a portrait that seeks out the viewer's eye for an intimate connection, as if the image pleads for a personal and thoroughgoing response from those who look at it. Jesus is looking at you who are looking at his heart. In the century that followed that shift, the heart of Jesus, which had previously been depicted by itself or as separated from his body, then appeared in images that put the heart back within him as in image number eight. Jesus's tunic was open to reveal it or his hand would point to it. This says David Morgan change the way that people engaged with the Sacred Heart. In his words, it was no longer a bloody device signaling penitential suffering, but a gentle, inviting portrait of a benign savior who welcomed an intimate relationship with the viewer. And it was much less visceral than Batoni's image. Now, I'm going through centuries here, right? So fasten your seatbelt. This shift in imagery moves the focus away from painfulness and the personal abandonment that were St. Margaret Mary's visions. This newer icon of the Sacred Heart points more generally to the tender and reassuring love of Jesus that informs the heart, thereby transposing devotion from the visceral, bloody organ of the heart to the whole of the divine person of Jesus. And that transposition came to be solidified in the proliferation of life-sized statues, like image number nine. It's that statue standing on the mountaintop in Argentina, overlooking the whole city. Emily, we have to get a bigger one of this. But look at that image giving public recognition now to the Sacred Heart. And in some sense, it's in a bit of competition with the great basilica of the Sacred Heart in Paris. The images get grander. Portraying Jesus in a standing pose with full-length robes, outstretched arms, open hands, and a solemn demeanor This new statuary of the welcoming Savior is, says David Morgan, one of intimate revelation, grounded ultimately in the experience of St. Margaret Mary, but now presented for everyone in clearly pastoral terms of comforting acceptance and support. The mystical revelation, first couched in suffering and extreme experience, has become a universal message of consolation. Okay, that ends our quick little tour, way too quick, actually, through the evolutionary history of the images. My point in doing this, through the years, through the centuries, the various images have conveyed multiple meanings and those different images appeal differently to whoever is drawn to them. I suppose you too have your favorite image and that's perfectly fine. But now the question before us is this, How can any image of the Sacred Heart have a transformative impact on the domestic church? By way of conclusion, let me propose a twofold answer. That image will continue to work its power on us when we hear what Jesus says and when we see as he desires. Recall first what Jesus said. Come to me, learn from me, from my meek and humble heart, and you will find rest. We know all too well the challenges of being Christian, the labor and burden of trying to live a holy life in the midst of this world. Our hearts, as St. Augustine famously said, remain restless. But it's in the midst of this madness that Jesus promises to give us rest, to give us the peace and meaningfulness and fulfillment for which we yearn when we learn specifically from his heart. St. Francis de Sales tells us how when he said this, Remember the principal lesson which Jesus left us in just three words. So that we would never forget it. And so that a hundred times a day we could repeat it. Learn from me, he says, that I am meek and humble of heart. In some, the Christian life is all about having a heart gentle toward the neighbor and humble before God. Give this heart to our Savior at every moment, the saint says. Make it be the heart of your heart. And you will see that in the measure that this holy and delicate lover will take his place in your spirit, The world, with all its vanities and superfluities, will leave your heart. And so with my patron saint, I invite you to consider often that narrative image of Jesus, especially as that humble and gentle heart is revealed to us in the stories of the gospel that you hear proclaimed every week. Actually, Pope Francis wrote not too long ago that stories like that, in fact, all good stories, have an impact on us. Stories leave their mark on us, he says. They shape our convictions and our behavior. They help us understand and communicate who we are. So for we who are believers, the sacred scriptures are what the Pope calls the story of stories. The Bible, he says, is the great love story between God and humanity. At the center stands Jesus, whose own story brings to fulfillment both God's love for us and our love for God. Henceforth, in every generation, men and women are called to recount and commit to memory the most significant episodes of this story of stories. In other words, we need to hear and tell that story, the story of the Sacred Heart, now more than ever. And thanks to the genius of artists, and the genius of Google that allows us to search for all those artists. It's a story that we can see. Whether for public worship or private devotion, depictions of the Sacred Heart continue to communicate the very realism of God's love for humanity. On the one hand, the sacred heart remains a devotional icon, an image that, according to ancient tradition, participates in the being of its original by virtue of looking at it. That's how we connect to the heart of Jesus, by looking at it. On the other hand, the Sacred Heart serves as a symbol, a spiritual symbol, representing, in the words of Pope Pius XII, the threefold love, divine, human, and sensible, with which the Divine Redeemer unceasingly loves His Eternal Father and loves all of mankind. That heart that you can see, is divine, is human, just like yours, and it's real. That love seen in and from that heart remains a source of potential transformation for our world. Our society desperately needs that heart. We believers can benefit from that heart. And each of us personally is blessed by that heart. Again, Pope Francis has repeatedly referred to Sacred Heart devotion in terms of celebrating what he calls the Feast of Love. His meditations for the solemnity of the Sacred Heart remind us that when we seek him, he has first sought us. We love God... Because God first loved us. First, before we did anything, God loves us. He is always, Pope Francis says, He is always before us. He waits to receive us in His heart. Born of the visionary experiences of St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus enables us to comprehend the love of Christ for humanity by looking at it. Whether just in passing or better by praying with that image, we can increasingly comprehend the love of Christ by looking to his sacred heart. That brings us to the last image. The image of St. Margaret Mary. Each time we gaze prayerfully upon the icon of divine love, as she is doing in that image, each time we look at the Sacred Heart, something happens. Not only do we look upon it, but also it looks upon us. In other words, gazing upon the sacred heart of Jesus draws us into an encounter with him and invites us to dare to come close to love itself, just as St. Margaret Mary did. Seeing that heart of Christ and being seen by it helps us to realize that our best hope in this sometimes wacky world, our best hope lies not in the fleeting emotions of human hearts, but in the steadfast grace and power of the divine heart. And that's why I encourage all of you to make an image of the Sacred Heart your very own. One of the promises Jesus made to St. Margaret Mary, as you well know, was that he will bless every place in which an image of his heart is exposed and honored. So, carry that image with you. As a card in your wallet or a medallion in your car Make the image the home screen on your computer or phone. Best of all, enthrone that image somewhere in your home where it can often be seen in the midst of your busy lives. And I submit that when you do this, when you behold this heart which has so loved the world, as Jesus said to St. Margaret Mary, you will be vividly reminded of that love. You will experience it again and again. And you will be inclined through the grace of God to return love for love, to live that love, not just at an annual Congress, but each day in your home and wherever you go. And when we all do that, we will contribute to a world of interconnected hearts with God and with one another, that very world for which we have been created and by which we will be eternally blessed. May God bless you all through the heart of Jesus.